On this week's episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, we go on a journey of propriety, sticking to standards, and self-realization in the OG that is Jane Austen's Manfield Park. And we ask the question, what the actual fuck did Hollywood do with this adaptation? I have my thoughts. Also, cousins? Really? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Oh yeah, and what happened to William? Did Hollywood just lock him up in a closet backstage and said, fuck this dude? Pretty much. Unacceptable. Content warning for this episode, we will be talking about references to the slave trade and violences associated with it. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to Read, Watch, or DNF, where we, Mel B and Jackie D, break down book-to-screen adaptations. We try to hit the high points, but mostly it's just us trying not to fall off our soapboxes in a drunken stupor. As always, if you haven't already, please like, follow, share, rate, review. We do appreciate the five stars. Love you guys. And also, our F-bombs this week are dedicated to the Whitney. Whit, quit. <laughs> and we are still in Jackie's birthday month. Her birthday is actually next week, so we're a week out. So we're doing her list this month. And this week, today, we're diving in. Just a Mansfield Park. All right, Jackie, are you ready to talk about what we're drinking? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I was gonna go with wine just to be the you know classic, but today we went and picked up my new mic because I'm trying to be a professional here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got a pop filter and everything. It's got this stand. I feel like I'm in a radio station. So when we came back, when I was getting the recording set up, Stephen, my dear, dear lover. That is, came up and said, here is your drink for the show. I asked, what is it? He said, it's a purple people eater. And I asked him, what is in it? And he said, don't worry about it. And I go, I have to, because it is my responsibility to share with everyone what is in said drink. <laughs> so what he said is there's cranberry, cran raspberry juice, two shots of vodka, um, blue cacao, cacao, the, you know, the Brazilian blue. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then he That's dumped some of my over raspberry Smirnoff ices in it. Because you know I'm not drinking that shit on my own for no reason. So it's just sitting in the fridge. No. But I'm going to no. tell you right now, it's good. So good job, Stephen. Jackie? I'm on my standby uh, wine cube, Chardonnay. Nothing wrong with the wine cube. No, no, it isn't. Plus, I figure with a Jane Austen adaptation, it has to be wine because mm. that's all they drank back then mm-hmm. at least females yeah yeah can't have that whiskey it's a bit much <laughs> okay so we typically or should i say every week we do give you a drinking game jackie's movie this week uh, she watched first it was her job to find a drinking game and it looks like there were none i i, I guess people are not getting turned watching the mansfield part <laughs> There is a drinking game for the 2007 version, mm-hmm. which was a TV movie. But for this particular adaptation, I couldn't find anything. I did, however, find a general Jane Austen drinking game. Mm-hmm. And that is take a drink whenever money and marriage are mentioned in the same sentence. Oh, you're getting fucked up then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because those yeah, two are that's one for you, the Whitney. Same. Whitney. Okay, so if you... Just feel like when you're dealing with the Jane Austen adaptation, feel like you need to get a little turnt, a little a little tipsy. Just, I guess that's the rule. 
They talk about money and marriage in the same sentence. Get at it. I read first this week. I had actually never read Mansfield Park and I've never watched any of the adaptation. I am a, a pretty big Jane Austen fan. Uh, so it was surprising to me to, to realize that I hadn't ventured down this path that is Mansfield Park. So when I was looking to get a copy of Mansfield Park for this month, I didn't find any covers that spoke to me. They were all just very sort of like, they almost look like you'd find them in a school library. And I just feel like that doesn't belong on my bookshelf. Yeah. So uh, during my search, I found this massive book. It's the complete novels of Jane Austen. I posted it several times on social media. Uh, I'll probably post it some more, but it has all of her novels in one and it is beautiful. And it kind of almost, it reminds me of a Bible, not to be like blasphemous or anything, but it does, right? It doesn't give you that sort of Bible <laughs> yeah. feel. It has like the built-in bookmark. It's and the, the gold, gold, line gold edges to the pages and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got this. I read it out of that book. Um, this is a, it's by Canterbury Classics. Mm. That's this book. And it has an introduction by Ken Monshine. PhD. So in the beginning of the the big book, OJ Austen, there is a uh, like he goes into great detail about her life and biography. I did not read it. I, I passed by it. But anyway, you were not <laughs> it, expected to. No, no, no. I, I just I saw it. And I was like, that's nice. Moving on. Then I watched the movie on Apple, like always, uh, and we will talk about that movie. But Jackie, uh, I watched the movie on Amazon Video. And, of course, read it on Kindle. It was Classic Books, uh, published 5 April 2022, which was strange because I purchased it on 11 March. I'm wondering if that publication date was the date that I started reading it. That's weird. Yeah. Man, these classics got us all messed up. I don't yeah. know what they do with the publications. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, I guess they didn't really have the, the copyright page at the beginning. Yeah, so published 5 April... I wonder if it's just like a running copyright or public. Like, it's possible. They just re- oh. eh. All right. Ultimately, outside the scope things. of what we're talking about anyway. So who really cares? Yeah, it's a book. It's old. You can get it anywhere. <laughs> Have fun. Okay, let's talk about Mansfield Park. So this novel is the third published novel by Jane Austen. It was first published in 1814 by Thomas Egerton. A second edition was published in 1816 by John Murray. So in her lifetime, two separate publishers published it within a couple of years. Uh, so the novel did not receive any public reviews until 1821. So does that mean it was just like printed and then like out there in the ether and just nobody read it until several years later? Possibly. Because it was, so this was published, uh, I think, right after Pride and Prejudice and right before Emma, I want to say. So it's in the middle of two very, very, very popular Jane Austen Mm -hmm. novels. So it might have just got lost in the sauce there. So this is what the summary of Jane, if you have not read or seen, actually, I'm going to say this. If you have not read Mansfield Park, I'm going to give you the summary because we're about to get into what the train wreck of a garbage fire um, (laughs) the adaptation is. So this is summary. It says, so taken from the poverty of her parents' home in Portsmouth, 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 Portsmouth. Fanny, it's Portsmouth, yeah, yeah. British they say things work. Fanny Price is brought up with her rich cousins at Mansfield Park. Acutely aware of her humble rank and with her cousin Edmund as her sole ally, 
During her uncle's absence to Antigua, the Crawfords arrive in the neighborhood, bringing with them a, the glamour of London life and a reckless taste for flirtation. <laughs> Mansfield Park is considered Jane Austen's first mature work. That's strange. And with its quiet heroine and subtle examination of social position and moral integrity, one of her most profound. I also read that this is kind of semi-autobiographical. People presume that, that she wrote this kind of about herself. Okay. I think it, I think it makes sense when we get into it. Uh, there's a lot going on in that summary because this is a very involved novel. Mm-hmm. It's, it's following lots of different stories, bringing them all together. It's very complex. Uh, we're going to get into that. Yeah, the movie was made or distributed in 1999 by Miramax Films uh, in partnership with BBC Films and HAL or H-A-L. It's all in capitals, so I'm assuming it's H-A-L Films, mm. but whatever. It was written and directed by Patricia Rosema, mm. rated PG-13 for brief violent images. I'm guessing those are the images in the sketchbook. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sexual content. Again, sketchbook. And mm-hmm. Mariah, Mariah, and Mister What's His Face, and drug okay. use with Lady Bertram's constant drinking of the opium. Oh, I guess yeah, that is drug use because she's just high <laughs> off her ass all movie long. Yeah, yeah. It's classified as a comedy, drama, and romance. But I was thinking about that, and I saw the romance part of it, and thinking about things that you said, Mel. I think you could have done without the romance part, but. Mm. Yeah, because when we actually get into why it's a romance, I can't. (laughs) And and the thing is, is like, this was released in 1999. I was, however old, acutely aware of films that were being released in the theater at the time and stuff like that. And I do not remember this film at all. Mm. Yeah, I don't remember it either. I did not see it until years later. And the way they talk about it is almost like it's a pretty big movie when it came out. Yeah. I don't remember it. Not like Pride and Prejudice. That was like the Keira Knightley one when it came out. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. Yeah. Or Emma. Well, she was she was riding pretty high on all the other stuff that she'd done up to that point. So True. True. Whereas Frances O'Connor, half the people in this country probably can't say who Frances O'Connor is or what she's been in. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's talk about the reviews. I pulled up reviews on Goodreads because remember, that's that's what we care about when we're looking at user reviews. Unless it doesn't work. <laughs> surprising, though, this... Okay, maybe it's not surprising. To me, when I pulled it up, I was a little like, oh, really? The the overall rating of this out of 313,841, which I thought was kind of low, especially for a Jane Austen book. Mm-hmm. But I think that goes back to what we were talking about, how this is sort of like her forgotten novel. It just... Yeah. Like, blends in so i think maybe i would say this this and sanditon are probably two of her most oh yeah sanditon, disregarded yeah. but i think that one wasn't even finished by her it was finished by somebody else oh you know what they don't even have sanditon in this book because i think of that yeah it's a I partial it's because of that yeah so they're like mm-hmm. that's not really jane austen fuck whoever wrote that <laughs> okay so 3.86 out of five hmm. i thought that was kind of low because if you pull up like pride and prejudice and stuff they're high they're mm-hmm. nearly like over 4.5, I think. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of kind of low. Uh, I pulled out a couple of each. Usually I do like one of each or something, but I pulled out a couple because some of these are just really good. 
uh, so this one gave it five out of five. It said, finish the satisfying slow reading. Many hidden deaths to this one. I would agree with that. Yeah, but it's also just weird the way they wrote it. Finish the satisfying slow reading. Yeah. <laughs> it is. A, it, okay. I, I will agree. It is a little slow at parts, but then it there's parts that pick up, then it slows down again. It's just, it's typical for a classic. Not little women slow though. Oh, no. Yeah. It's so strange too, because, you know, we're talking about an older style of writing. Jane Austen's not too far off from uh, Louisa, Louisa May Alcott. Yeah, it, but it's just the way they go about it. It's just it, Jane Austen is definitely more intriguing, and it keeps you with her. Mm-hmm. I, okay, this is another one, five out of five. Another day, another sleigh, Miss Austen. I like that. I feel like I want to put this in my signature block and <laughs> just see how many people <laughs> catch on. Just another day, another sleigh. All right, five out of five. This is an actual review. They put some thought into it. It was one of the best, all caps, best coming-of-age stories I have read of late. It says, review in a few days. So they wrote this sort of like in the beginning of when they started writing it, and then they get they provided updates along the way. That's where you see all the page breaks. Next part of the review is, why is Fanny called the most boring, weak heroine of Austin books? I think she is one of the best. Edmund, on the other hand, dot, dot, dot. And I'm following her up to this. Now, this is where it gets interesting for any of our Harry Potter fans out there. It was, <laughs> Why is Filch's cat in the Harry Potter books named Mrs. Norris? I cannot believe I'm thinking of such an insignificant thing. She's writing this in a review. She had to stop to write this. But isn't it a coincidence that I am reading Mansfield Park and Harry Potter together and getting confused as hell? Oh, jeez. She's reading these books simultaneously. So Mrs. Norris has been petrified in one, and Mrs. Norris is disallowing a fire in another. I'm like, okay. They could have changed places and nothing would have been different. <laughs> then, then she puts in parentheses like this, this thought. But did Filch ever read Mansfield Park? I highly doubt it. Highly doubt it. I'm sure J.K. Rowling has maybe. Rowling, oh, yeah. Rowling, whatever. All right. Three out of five. Midway here. It goes, I love, love, love Jane Austen's writing. I do think, however, that this novel would have been at least 200 pages shorter. Still, though, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think I agree with this. There's some parts in the novel where I'm like, uh, and then when you get over it, you're like, do we really need that? So I agree yeah. with this. Okay. One out of five. The narrative was ridiculous. We get this huge buildup and buildup. And finally things actually start happening in the book. But then the last chapter wraps everything up in such a rush manner that you don't actually get to see the events that you've been hoping for the entire book. I stand with my first statement. Reading Jane Austen is equivalent to reading sixth grade gossip. (laughs) Okay. Next one. One out of five. Blah. (laughs) Exclamation point. Fanny Price. All caps. And Mrs. Norris. Thrice hated ladies made my senior year quite miserable at times. In fact, I can still smell all caps. Mrs. Norris. What does that mean? I don't, know. don't you wish she didn't all caps exist so persistently in real life? What? So that you bump into one of her misery clones every few months. What happened to this person? Calling, I know. Like maybe she's comparing Mrs. Norris to like a Karen. Possibly. Like, I, or an aunt. Just, I just saw this. The fact that she said, I can still smell Mrs. Norris. Like what? Okay. 
Last one, one out of five. And this one's interesting because it's another updated review. So they started writing it. It went back. But how they did this is they started with currently reading. Then they go back and cross it out. And it goes, um, I, so it goes currently reading. I am suffering. Then it goes back, crosses out currently reading and am and goes, I was suffering. <laughs> and then we get into the review. It goes, I don't mind meek and sweet characters, but Fanny is super sweet and meek and too wonderful to be true. Tom is so bad, all caps, as is Mrs. Norris. The story is filled with good guys and bad guys. You can stack them up in two piles. Cardboard figures, if you ask me. Okay. The falseness of the characters irritates me immensely. Characters say they do something for one reason, but do it for another. I think that's like the point. Yeah. Of the not she's showing how two faced people can how, be, like yeah, yeah, and how they're trying to stick to one standard, but obviously it's just too yeah. much. You know, they're humans. Anyway, the whole tone of the story is too self righteous and moralistic. That is literally the yeah. point. It was yeah. Jane Austen. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole people. Moreover, it is pretty obvious who will end up with whom. The worst is I do not even care. I have not finished, but I'll make you a bet that Fanny ends up with Edmund. (laughs) Fair. This has me so upset I cannot sleep. I am debating on dumping it. So this is the first part of the reel. Then the page break and goes, I am giving this up, having completed half, a book I cannot stand to finish. I give one star. Very (laughs) matter-of-factly. So I picked these all because they're hilarious, but I also agree with all of them. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) What do you got, Jack? Okay, movie again, IMDb user reviews, not critics, because we don't care about what they have to say. Don't give one fuck. They get they get paid for it, and everybody likes to read their reviews because they're full of a lot of words. So many words. Even more than your standard user review. Yeah, so many. Uh, overall, it got a 7 out of 10 with about 24,000 reviews. Mm. Uh, the highest group was actually 7 out of 10 at 29.4% of the mm. reviews. Everything else, like picture a lopsided pyramid, if you laid 1 through 10 out on the bottom, it would just be going up from the edges and oh. further on the one side. Yeah. <laughs> so this one I picked because of the title of the review. It's a 1 out of 10. The title was Pure horror (laughs) yeah this movie should have been titled quote inspired by the title of jane austen's book mansfield park end quote thank you yes thank you beyond the name of the book and the names of the characters the movie bore almost no resemblance fanny is transformed from the unpleasant insipid and boring character in the book to a thoroughly obnoxious totally modern and very rude woman who would have been ejected from that century before she caused a break in the space-time continuum. Disgustingly, Mr. Bertram, the father, was changed from a decent though unpleasant man to one who raped and beat slaves in a plantation. The, quote, writers, which it's only one writer, it was the director, uh, clearly felt the need to jazz up an otherwise admittedly somewhat dull story with a twisted sexual theme. I guess they felt the need to make some sort of point about slavery. Fine, but what does that have to do with Jane Austen? Thank you! Yeah, just write a movie about slavery and leave poor Jane alone. Or leave her to those of us who love her. It's painful to see the ongoing pillaging and distortion of her amazing body of work. There should be a law against this type of movie. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I did look into this, though, because I was so thoroughly confused. 
as to why they entered in the slavery stuff. So Jane Austen did have views on the slavery issue in her personal Mm -hmm. life, but none of that made it into her books. So I think they're doing her, it's disingenuous because you don't fully understand what her thoughts are, Mm -hmm. but then they're putting it into her works that had different meanings for her. So thank you. Well, I, I found something about the, uh, the movie, this adaptation that we watched that kind of speaks a little bit to the fact that it was so different, but we'll get to that later. I don't care. (laughs) Okay. Another one out of 10. Uh, the title was Incomprehensible Directing of an Awful Screenplay, which the writer and the director were the same person. Yeah. Okay. All caps, run. Do not walk away from this mess of a supposed adaptation of a heretofore respected piece of literature. Thank you. A supposed director should never attempt to direct a piece that he or she neither respects or believes in. Personally, I think Hemingway is overrated. I would agree with that. Why is he bringing Hemingway into this? I don't know. (laughs) I would never, however, rewrite a work of his and try to pass it off as an alternate take on the original. I guess that's the the point. You don't take somebody who is held in high regard or has done a lot of, uh, or has had a lot of works out there and has had adaptations. Hemingway has, there's been a lot of adaptations. Um, But you wouldn't just take it slap the name of the book on the movie and then just write something completely different. Yes, fucking rude. That's what it is. Yeah. The actor that portrayed Henry Crawford has much potential. He was wasted on bad writing and idiotic directing. I don't know if I should say God save the queen or God help us all. I think both are appropriate when I think of this travesty that passes itself off as a Jane Austen film. I feel like I wrote both these reviews. (laughs) <laughs> this is actually what it is. I wrote both of these and I, I tricked Jackie into finding them and putting them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then this last one is a 10 out of 10. And honestly, the difference that I found between the lower rated and the higher rated reviews is the lower rated ones are people who have actually read the book. Mm-hmm. Higher rated are people who have not read the book. Yep. So 10 out of 10 title was excellent. Uh, and it starts out. I haven't read the book. The reason being that I find much of the books written about rich, idle, boring people in that era tedious, a time waste and immeasurably dull beyond belief. So I pose it, I suppose it not being anything like the book, which all the one, two, three, and four scoring reviews keep telling us about is a very, very good thing. It's an excellent film and an intelligent one. Absolutely recommended. Oh, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Read the flipping book. God. Yeah. Such an I hate people. Anyway, apparently we don't really need to get to our review section of this because it's just going to spill out the whole show. Those reviews speak to everything. That's what I said in the beginning. It's literally this episode is just me and Jackie drunkenly holding on to each other on our soapbox, trying not to fall off. We will. I don't think I'm. We each have one foot on the soapbox and we're just like arms linked, like trying to balance each other. Yes. Mm-hmm. all right let's okay let's talk about the characters then because a lot of these reviews are talking about the different characters and uh what they did and didn't like about them especially the ones based on who read the book so i read the book i'm going to talk about the major characters that i'm pulling out of the novel first and foremost fanny then edmund then mary mary crawford that is henry henry crawford sir thomas who is the uncle Mrs. Norris, who is the aunt, 
Lady Bertram, who is also the aunt, Mrs. Norris and Lady Bertram are sisters. Lady Bertram is Sir Thomas's wife and Edmund's uh, mother. Mrs. Grant, who is the family, the the wife of the family that move into the was it parsonage? Yeah. On the land. And there's the whole backstory as to why that blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really matter. William, who is Fanny's brother, who is a massive character. Uh, Mariah is her name, but it's spelt like Maria. And <laughs> after reading the book and then watching the movie and they're like, Mariah, I'm like, who? <laughs> so Maria, who is Edmund's sister and Julia, who is also Edmund's uh, sister. And then Mr. Rush Rushworth, mm-hmm. right? Yep. That's your name. So that is later we'll talk about who marries Mariah. There's also, I didn't put him in here. There's also Dr. Grant, who is Mrs. Grant's husband, and Tom. Those are present characters, but I would not call them major characters. They're just, they help sometimes move along the plot. But these are the ones who I think have the most significance in the plot, if that makes sense. It does. But the but the movie. <laughs> the movie, obviously, we have Fanny, uh, and then mm-hmm. we have Edmund. We have the Bertrams and the Crawfords. I'm just going to lump them all in because everybody from mm. both families are in there. Lady Bertram's pug. Oh, yeah, yeah. the pug. Stupid Mrs. Norris. Oh, I fucking hate her. Okay, so I made a note later on that I have read I read the book years and years ago before I ever saw the movie to the point where I forgot most of what happened in the book. And I watched the movie, did not like Mrs. Norris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at all. Read the book, hated her even more. Mm-hmm. Oh, she is the worst human being. And then I would say uh, Mr. Rushworth to a minor degree because he just sits there and his only purpose in the movie is to show how stupid everybody else thinks he is. Yeah, it's true. It's kind of like that in the book too, but he has he has more. So, they explain so much more in the book that his position is pretty important. Yeah, and they're more, they give him more depth, or Austin gave him more depth in the book than they did in the movie, because in the book, he finds himself when they go to Southerton, and he sits down on the bench next to Fanny, and he confides in her that he's really worried about Mariah's interactions with Mr. Crawford, with Henry, yeah, and, and stuff like that. That never happens in the movie. The first time he ever has any kind of reaction to the relationship between Mariah and Henry is when he fucking finds them out. Yeah. Like all the way at the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was like that the entire time, but yeah. 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 So context, we missed context in the movie and we're going to get into that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's talk about the casting for this. For okay. The yeah. Fanny is played by Frances O'Connor, which I think she was tolerable, I guess. Uh, no. When I well, when no. I was coming up, when I was putting the list in of the the actors that played the different characters. <sighs> so, Frances O'Connor is good as far as the writer and director's vision of Fanny, mm-hmm. but not what Fanny was in the book. Yeah. It's uh, she's way too bright and lively and, and alert. And alert. I'm I'm not going to say pretty because she is very attractive but in the book fanny is also attractive but in like a uh what do you call that like in an understated way so yeah i i think the the appearance of francis o'connor is fine i think francis o'connor could have played fanny the way she should have been mm-hmm. and not this just absolute i don't even know how to it was just so annoying okay 
let me take that back. It was annoying because it's nothing like Fanny in the book. Mm-hmm. And I go, how do you take this character and make it just flip it? It would be like if you took um, Liz Bennett uh, from Pride and Prejudice and made her into a character like Fanny. Yeah, It would just not fit. It wouldn't work. So here you have Fanny, the whole being of this novel her, is the way she is. And it's very meek. It's very, um, she's all about being about propriety. Um, she's very religious. You know, she's very proper. She's, but this is not the way, the, the, the first five minutes of the book where she's just, not book, the movie where she's talking and she's breaking the fourth wall and mm-hmm. talking to us. Even her as a child, that was not how she was. Even when she was before she came to this manor. Well, and and her cousins too in the book, they don't have anything to do with her except to like make fun of her or whatever mm-hmm. until a while after she gets there. There is no Edmund coming into the attic and like trying to make her feel better. So that was completely different. Well, there is, she's on the stairs crying yeah. and Edmund does come over and that's why she gets so attached to him mm-hmm. because he was just, he kind of gave her like this little, like, it's okay, you don't need to be upset, but definitely was not trying to make her laugh and stuff. But at the end of the movie, there's a line that she says where Mrs. Norris is talking to somebody and Fanny is doing something else and somebody talks to Fanny about something and Mrs. Norris goes, Fanny, how long are you expecting to stay with us or something like that? And Fanny responds with, I don't know, Mrs. Norris, how long are you planning on being here? The Fanny in the book would never have said that, ever. No. Yeah. She didn't talk up. And the whole, like, first couple months of her being at the house was just her crying. Yeah. Not trying to talk to people. It was yep. so weird. Anyway, yeah. okay. okay. Anyway, Frances O'Connor, sure, for what they were trying to go for, I also think Frances O'Connor could have done the book Fanny. Fanny the way yeah. it was supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, Edmund is Johnny Lee Miller, who has been mm-hmm. in multiple Jane Austen adaptations, and also plays Sherlock Holmes in the... Mm-hmm. What is it, a CBS series, Sherlock? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Johnny Lee Miller. I I don't know. He he had a minor lapse in judgment when he married Angelina Jolie back in, like, the 90s, but... <gasps> oh, my God, that yeah. was him! They were in a movie called Hackers together. Like yeah. Yeah, he had, like, the platinum hair. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was him. Uh, Mary, okay. Mary Crawford was played by M. Beth Davids. Uh, I just... Like, from Matilda. Yeah. But also, I pictured her the entire time as Natasha, or Natasha, as they say, in Bridget Jones's diary. So I kept Ugh. expecting her to snap her fingers at people. She, she goes like, Mark, 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 <laughs> and snaps at him. So I think, I think she played essentially the same role in this. Like, condescending, I know better than you, and just shh, 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 shush yourself. Yeah, yeah which really wasn't the Mary... In in the book, it really wasn't her character. No, Mary in the book was vain. Yes, I will give I will yeah. give her that. But she was more focused on finding the rich husband than anything else. Yeah, and she wasn't super manipulative either. Yeah, not like in an intentional way. No. just in a more like naive way. Yeah, I mean, and Beth Davids, I think she could have played Mary either way book Mary or movie Mary it, it would have been fine it's just I think that how to say this without sounding ageist oh she seemed a little too old to play the part yes yes because I'm pretty sure she's only like 18 in the yeah. book 
As far as She's age, not a grown ass yeah. Woman. As far as age goes to character, I think the girl that played Julia is the only accurate casting. Mm-hmm. She also didn't do anything in the movie, so no, yeah, she just sat there. Yeah. yeah, another departure from the book. Yeah, yeah. Henry is played by Alessandro Nivola, who I don't think is even British, but that was totally miscast. Yeah, they made him too much of like a sexy dude. Yeah, and, and that's not what he was. He supposed to do. is not described as sexy even in Jane Austen's terms at all in the book. He's short. Yeah, they describe he is him, not attractive. Well, they said he was plain. They didn't say he was ugly. It's one of those where um, he's not striking, mm-hmm. but he's charismatic to the point where he starts. He's one of those dudes that becomes attractive because of his personality. Yeah, and I think, but that's he was. I think Alessandro Nivola is good at playing that part. Just I'm cocky and people like me and uh, I'm fun to be around. Mm-hmm. But I think he might be a scotch too attractive to play this part. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because even when they first introduced him, he was all standing and everyone's like, Ooh, yeah, ah. but that's not how it happened in the book. They're just no. like, he, well, who's this dude? Yeah. And that they don't end up falling in love with him until after they interact with him a few times. Yeah, he's not British. He was actually born in Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. Accurate. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Sir Thomas is played by Harold Pinter, which I guess is good. I think Harold Pinter can play severe and kindly uncle. Yeah. With the same grace. He was fine. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Norris, Sheila Gish. Perfect because she has a very, very judgy face. Oh, yes. No, I think Mrs. Norris was cast perfectly. That was probably the best casting they did. Uh, Tom was played by James Purifoy, and I kept thinking of the following, the Serial Killer series with Kevin Bacon. So I honestly kept expecting him to murder somebody or start a cult. (laughs) That's also another casting decision I I didn't really understand. I thought they were going to do more with him because he is such a big actor and he was a big and also in the book it says that tom and edmund are only a year apart at the beginning so why cast tom james purfoy as tom throughout the whole movie and have a different person playing edmund young edmund and older edmund oh yeah that is yeah Ugh, ugh whatever but they did like nothing with him well i think they aged down the uh both well, not just Edmund, but also the girls. They aged them down. In the movie? Yeah. What do you mean aged them down? Fanny, not so much. Because she was, what, 10? Yeah. When she first got there? But I think Mariah and Julia were a few years older than they appeared. Oh, yeah. Maybe uh, maybe yeah, that's just me and I'm a terrible I think um, Edmund age, was like 16 or 17 when she got to the house. Yeah. So and he looked a lot younger. He was 16, Tom was 17. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But when, yeah, Tom, when he, she first shows up, looks like a grown ass man. And then Edmund, when he's talking to her, he looks like he's 12. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was weird. Yep. No, I'm with you. Very strange. Mariah was Victoria Hamilton. I think she was good because she is one of those people that plays that character of, I am such the shit that you can't even handle me. Her face is distracting kind of to me. Yeah. Also, yeah, I just, same I to just me. thought about the crown because she plays the mother. She yeah. plays the queen mother. That's all I was thinking. That's, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all I was thinking. I was yeah. watching her. I was like, that's queen mother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Brushworth is played by Hugh Bonville. From Downton Abbey. Of Downton Abbey fame. He looks so much yes. better older. Yeah, he does. Like, I could have daddy issues in Downton but, Abbey, but he looked absolutely repulsive in this. Well, in, in this movie, though, the way they did his hair was absolutely ridiculous. He's also kind of chubbier, too. Not that the, there's anything the wrong with middle part, The middle part at the top was just kind of like a faux hawk but he still had a bunch of hair on the side so it's just like how much hairspray did that take yeah he was just he was awkward looking at it too yeah. but Downton Abbey mm, yeah no he's good not in this one though I do think he plays idiot well though yeah he did he did play good Mr. Edward <laughs> that was good casting speaks to his act, acting abilities yeah. and uh Julia was Justine Waddell or Waddell or whatever. I don't think it matters because I don't think you even need to talk about who her casting is because she did absolutely fuck all in the movie. So, like, <laughs> yeah. And I forgot to look up Lady Bertram, but I know that Lady Bertram and Mrs. Price were played by the same person. Yes. Seriously? It is true. Yes. And in the book, they talk about how much Mrs. Look Price like, looked yeah. like her sister, yeah. even though uh, they were a couple years apart. But they are played by the same actress in the movie. I didn't even I didn't even catch that. Yeah. And it's it's funny because you don't really notice it unless you read something that tells you that's the case because mm-hmm. the costuming I will give costuming to this movie and the makeup. That's fine. Because if you just watch the movie and you look at Mrs. Price when Fanny goes back to live with her. Oh, just so you know a little Ms. Bit, Mrs. Price is Fanny's mother that yes. gave her away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, said, oh, you want one? Take one. Okay, let's talk about that real quick um, before we get into because there is a lot to this story. So when we start talking about things, just so you're not lost, how the story starts, and it's a similar both book and, mo- uh, and movie, is there are three sisters. There's Lady Bertram, Mrs. Norris, and Mrs. Price. Obviously, that's their married names. But they all marry at different levels so lady bertram obviously marries very well to sir thomas he think he's in parliament or something he's very high up. then mrs norris marries a man who's still well off um but a little bit lower in stature but then the youngest sister marries like a sailor or something he's he's does she marries for love she marries for love, yeah, and they make it so different because they want to highlight how marrying for love is just doesn't work. Um, but the thing is, Mrs. Price, Fanny's mother, is just popping out kids left and right. Fanny is the second of nine at the time that she's given away. And this whole comes up with this scheme by Mrs. Norris saying, you know what, our sister, even though we haven't talked to her in so many years... We should really help her because she's not doing well. She just keeps popping out babies. Uh, so I think they initially wanted to take the oldest brother, which was William, but they decide on Fanny. They said, we can bring her to the house and we're going to raise her to be a proper lady, even though her stature is so much lower than her, blah, blah, blah. It's very magnanimous in nature. That's what they're trying to do. So they send for Fanny and then her mom's like, bye. It's very traumatic for Fanny coming to the house. So that's how we start off. And then it, we are in the story with Fanny at Mansfield Park with the Bertrams and Mrs. Norris. As a child, it's just sort of like this overarching, this is what's happening. Then she grows up. And now we're with her as an adult. First thing, we're at Mansfield Park, right? The movie, right off the bat, when they're uh, transferring or when Fanny is She's in, in the, the carriage. carriage. 
Yeah. yeah, she's in a carriage coming from wherever in England down to Mansfield Park, and it's about a hundred miles or so. So back at that time by carriage, it's it's taken a while to get there. So they're going along the coast, and she hears this music or singing or chanting or something, and she looks out the window of the carriage and sees a ship. And she asks the carriage, the driver, "What's that?" And he, "What do you call them? Do you call them blackies?" I I don't call them something. No, I think- darkies darkies yeah he calls them something so terrible so it was so random that i actually did i had to rewind it and like wait what i didn't even catch on that he was talking about you know slaves or something i was like what is he talking about i thought this was like some british slang for a sailor it was such a ridiculous term but he calls him some derogatory term just saying that hey um some rich guy must have brought home Uh, essentially slaves for his wife or whatever. So that's what she's hearing. And so she starts talking about or asking about the slaves. And this is where I just was lost. And I'm, this is literally five minutes into the movie. I go, why, why are we talking about slaves? Like what? Okay. It's just so random. And then we, (laughs) we later, we find out there's a lot going on in story behind the, the slavery issue that we're going to get into. But that was where I, I'd almost like forgotten about, how different Fanny was as a child, how different the story was about her coming to Mansfield Park. That scene there threw me off so hard that I don't think I could get into the rest of the movie from there. It lost me right there. It's nothing to say about the topic of slavery or anything. It was just, I could not understand how it fit into this movie or this adaptation because it it has no presence in the book whatsoever. Well, the writer, director, whatever, also in who Fanny was in the movie is completely different from the book because in the book she gets there. And like you said, she cries all the time. She cries herself to Mm -hmm. sleep every night and she doesn't talk to anybody, but in the movie she interrupts Mrs. Norris and Sir Thomas like right off the bat and they scold her for it. And she looks like she still wants to continue on, which book Fanny would never do that. It's like, I'm a lowly human being and I have no right to be here, but you took me in and thank you so much. And I love you. And I know I'm supposed to love you. I'm scared of, I'm I'm scared of you, but I, I, I will keep my mouth shut. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But in the book, she's like, fuck it. I'm here. Woo. Yeah. Just going crazy. So <laughs> we have this departure from one, just a major topic being introduced into the movie that has literally nothing to do with the book. Mm-hmm. And then second, you have this character, the main character, which is a complete 180 yeah. from the book character, which everyone's like, well, why Why would you want her to be weak and, and this and that? And I go, well, when a character is developed in a story and has these characters, it's for a reason. Mm-hmm. It will drive how the story plays out and how this character interacts with their environment and with other characters. So right off the bat, you're introducing stuff that's not in the book which is is major. And two, you have a character that now is going to interact completely differently with everyone around her and how they're going to interact with her. So that lost me. I was from here on out. This is where I get on my soapbox. And I go, what the hell is this dumpster fire? Well, another thing about the movie that I think they could have done without is in the book, they do enough to explain that Tom is a wild guy. Mm Mm-hmm. He gambles. He has a lot of debts. He is what they call sowing his wild oats, I guess. Promiscuous. In the movie. Slutty. He's just fucking drunk all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And he's there, too. 
which he's not yeah. very present in the book because that he's out in London. Yeah. That's he's not there. And then also he's like a weird artist, which I don't think he was. And he's got these weird yeah, paintings never, all over the place. That never came up in the book at all. So they're introducing things where it makes this huge sort of climax and and ending towards the conclusion of it. That's that's what, when I got to the end of the movie, I realized why they introduced Tom as an artist, why she saw the shave slip slave ship on the coast and why her character is the way she is. So right in the beginning too, I thought after the slave ship, I was like, Oh, that was weird. Okay. Just not part of the book. We'll probably won't see that again. But then she goes out on a ride with Edmund and they're talking. She's like, what's wrong? What's wrong, Edmund? And he starts talking about the issues with the father's properties elsewhere Mm -hmm. and the slaves. And then she starts going off this like, very abolitionist type speech about slavery. And I was just like, what the fuck? It's so weird. Okay. And just so everyone out there, we are not talking about the issue at hand. It's slavery. That's not it. It's just bringing such serious subject matter into a storyline that's not there. That's why it's just so jarring. And I, it threw me off and I couldn't, couldn't pay attention anymore. So that's like why, Edmund is so concerned and and his father's property, but also I don't know why Edmund gives a shit about his father's property because it's not going to him anyway since he's going into the priesthood. Yeah. So the fact that he is he cares so much, it's like why do you care? You're not getting the property anyway. And going back to the introduction of the slave trade stuff in mm-hmm. in the movie, mm-hmm. I don't think England had outlawed the slave trade yet, but I think that was around the time that they were starting to talk about it and i think it was the director's effort to address issues that were not mentioned in the book but don't put words in jane austen's mouth seriously yeah because it was prevalent at a time where the united kingdom was still you know very heavily heavily colonizing and yeah yeah we're not just like that is a fact we're not taking away from that all it's just this is not amistad this is Jane Austen's Mansfield Park. Mm-hmm. Mansfield Park is not a hard-edged story. Mm-hmm. It's about pretentious young idiots trying to navigate propriety and, you know, their hormones. <laughs> like, why are you going to do something as disingenuous as bring a subject matter such as slavery and the slave trade and the atrocities associated with it into this very lighthearted movie? And then also, it's almost like it's a funny film because the way she's joking around and the little story she's writing her sister and breaking the fourth wall. I'm like, this is this none of this me- meshes together whatsoever. Just real quick. Mm-hmm. One May 1807 was when the British government officially outlawed slave trade. It was now against the law for any British ship or British subject to trade and enslave people. So this year that the story takes place is the 1805 to 1807. Okay. So, uh, or 1806, I should, because remember when they're sitting in the parlor and Mary's like, this is 1806. So they made a point to make sure the dates lined up with that. But again, like, is that in the book? (laughs) It's not a book, and why? Again, I just I thought it was distasteful. You're bringing in some serious subject matter into a book that they're making into this like almost rom comish. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Yeah. So here's a big thing: 
the movie, I am almost certain, literally cut out the middle of the story and just threw it in the trash bin and said, we don't need this. Let's just move on. In the movie, they made it, it feels like they made Fanny the oldest. Mm -hmm. William doesn't even exist in the movie. Yeah, they never they never mentioned William. Yeah. And he's a huge which, part of her life. Huge part. And also he joins the military and then there's or the navy, I say the Royal mm-hmm. Navy. Um and then there's the whole plot of where Henry Mr. Crawford is trying to win Fanny's heart. He was out of his way to make sure her brother gets a commission, mm-hmm. which how like that's the it's gone. Yeah. Didn't bring it in. The weird the weird wicker box with the sparklers and the doves and stuff does not exist in the book oh i did not understand that at all i didn't either there's a scene where henry mr crawford is trying to win fanny fanny's heart yeah so this is okay this is why i came to talk about it because it's so all over the place now where you have a story that is very involved and kind of confusing as it is but then the movie just like picks parts and puts it together and creates all these different plot holes Mm -hmm. so in the middle of the book you have this where you're starting to understand uh, Edmund's affections for Mary, Miss uh, Mary Crawford. Henry Crawford is like wreaking havoc on the sisters, Mariah and Julia. They're like at each other's throats because they're jealous of each other. Julia wants to get with Henry um, because Mariah is already engaged to Mr. Rushworth. There's a trip that they take to Southerton, mm-hmm. which is a, a property of Mr. Rushworth. And it's just think about like young high schoolish kids just flirting and running around and, and just being wild. With uh, rich parents. With rich parents. Yeah. So just picture that. Um, and that's a, a big part of the middle of the story. But it, it gives you the understanding of like where, why Mary, uh, not Mary, Fanny has such an aversion to Henry. Because in the book, or not in the book, oh my God, in the movie, you're just like, why doesn't she like Henry? Why doesn't she just go for her? Like, he likes her. Like, this is a great match. Like, she, who else is going to go for her? Which also is, like, kind of a ugly thought when Sir Thomas brings it up. Like, you'll never have this again. And I'm like, oh, yeah. it's sad. But it leaves so much out for you not to understand why Fanny does not like Henry. Mm-hmm. Because she is a wallflower. And I, when I was reading the book, I actually <laughs> texted Jackie. I was like, because we just did... um uh, perks of being a wallflower yeah. with Charlie is like Fanny is essentially Charlie because she's so quiet. She's so meek. Nobody's really knows her, but she's always there and she's always watching. So she's watching this play out how Edmund is with Mary and she's just, she thinks Mary is cor- corrupting him and she doesn't understand why he's going against all his morals and behaving the way he is with her, but he, she's watching Henry um, sort of seduce and manipulate the two sisters. So there's a lot of stuff that she's watching is why she has the sort of judgment that she has. Well, and he, uh, what is it? Henry even at one point talks to Mary uh, when he decides he wants to pursue Fanny. He doesn't want to pursue mm-hmm. Fanny to win her. He wants to pursue Fanny to get her to fall in love with him so that he mm-hmm. can break her heart. In the book. Yeah. Yeah. He comes back from a trip. They leave. Mariah gets married. Julia goes to stay with Mariah and her honeymoon in London. She's like just going around. So so Fanny is at the house mm-hmm. all by herself. Henry comes back to stay with the, the Grants and Mary. And he decides, you know what? I 
he is definitely infatuated with her, but it's more of this case of it's a challenge mm-hmm. to him. He goes, I'm going to win Fanny's heart. And it is that because he like, he wants to just win. That's yeah. really what it is. It's, it's one of the, yeah. more than that. It's one of those things where somebody gets used to never hearing the word no. Mm-hmm. And they take that to the extreme and every person who they think is going to say no to them, they're like, okay, challenge accepted. It's a, a Barney from how I met your mother. Yeah. 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 Be like, I could never love you. Challenge accepted. Uh, and honestly, the entire time I was watching the movie This Go Around, I was thinking of that Freddie Prince Jr. movie from the 90s. She's all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's somebody who's always been there. And all of a sudden, she takes her glasses off and lets her hair down. And everybody's like, oh, my God, she's beautiful. I mean, there is sort of that scene in yeah. Mansfield Park with the ball. Yeah. And she comes in like, oh. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, Henry's like, I'm going to marry her. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, dude, whatever. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, Jane Austen did sort of play like Sarah J. Mass on my heart. <laughs> for a while there, I was like, Henry might be it. This, yeah. At the beginning, I thought, this is weird. She's way too attra- like attached to Edmund. Yeah. But it's probably just because she's young. Yeah. And then Henry starts getting this shit together. And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. I'm with you. I'm mm-hmm. with you. I'm with you. And then let's move into this part. <laughs> Here we go. Out of nowhere, Henry proposes. And Fanny's like, no, 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 no. Don't you, mm-mm. don't you do that. He's like, no, I'm, I'm going to marry you. Then he goes and tells Sir Thomas, mm-hmm. I'm going to marry her. Sir Thomas is super excited. He's like, okay, let's talk about something real quick about Sir Thomas. They make him a villain mm-hmm. in the movie. They do. A villain. Yeah. And he is a sweet, just sort of straight-laced well, uncle. In the book, he comes off as a little bit standoffish. And she definitely talks about how she's afraid of him in the book. Because he's stern. Yeah, he's stern. He's by the books, like you said. Um, everything is about propriety and acting the way you're supposed to, according to your rank and all this other stuff. But you are 100% right in the fact that in the movie, they make him a villain there were a lot of lines in that little montage speech that he gives fanny after she rejects henry mm-hmm. that came directly from the book but totally out of context so out of context it's crazy yeah you're absolutely right because that when he goes up to fanny in her room and is like so excited that henry has proposed he's like this is this is amazing mm-hmm. like this is you're going to be marrying out of your stature, essentially. Yeah. Like, you're moving up. Like, this is never going to happen again. And when she comes back, like, I can't. He takes it. He perceives it as her being uh, sort of, a, like, love, full, like a full-hearted, love-sick it's, teenage girl. It's kind of like when, um, oh, what's his name? The cousin in Pride and Prejudice, the minister... Oh, comes in yeah, pro- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, proposes to Elizabeth and he's like, I know how girls are. You say no first, but you really mean yes. You just want to toy with our heartstrings a little bit. Yeah. So Sir Thomas is like, wait, what? Like, what, do you, what do you mean? Like, as, And then he kind of is concerned. He's like, has he done anything? Like, what, is there a reason? You shouldn't. She's just like, I, I won't love him or something. Like, I could never love him or, or he loved me. And that's where he snaps. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh. He's like, that's all you care about is you think this is about love where 
this man could literally solve all of your problems mm-hmm. and what he did for you already and what he did for your brother, mm-hmm. what he's going to do for us, what he's doing for your, your mother and that side of the family. He's like, how stupid are you? So he's upset and, and he's upset in a way where he's more disappointed and he's calling her things like selfish and reckless and foolish. So it is out of context where in the movie, it's just him like, oh, you stupid bitch. Yeah. Which is not how he is in the book. Uh, how dare you? We've given you everything. It is, it's essentially yeah. everything that Mrs. Norris says in the entire book, uh, Sir uh, Thomas says in the movie. Yeah, which is not like him. He's not thrown at interface at all. And actually to the point where he's like, oh, him and Edmund come to the agreement like, something's wrong there mm-hmm. and we're not going to press her on it. And he kind of affirms like, I will take care of you. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that you're okay. And, and this is, if this is really how you feel. Then so be it. But he's still trying to like play matchmaker a little bit. Yeah. He, he throws them this. together and says, Hey, just talk. Yeah. Yeah. You can be friends. Yeah. But maybe, maybe, but then he decides he has this plan. He goes, why don't we send Fanny back to her mom and her dad just to give her some distance And maybe it'll open her eyes where she's gotten too used to living in this way and like in luxury per se, where she is just too accustomed to it. And maybe if we throw her back essentially into the slums, she'd be like, I I can't, this is not what I want in my life. And we'll reconsider Henry's proposal. So now we're towards the end. Fanny goes to live with her visit she's not yeah. going to live there she's going to visit it's supposed to be two and I months i think it's supposed to be two months but then it's like you can come it back turns early if you want. to three right and the reason for this is because tom the brother gets sick and how he gets sick is he's drunk he falls and hurts himself but his friends because they're all drunk and high and whatever like leave him somewhere and his injuries are not attended uh, to so he gets very sick he probably gets a really bad infection mm-hmm. comes back home she's just trying to convey back and forth you know she's like i miss them lady bertram is like i miss you uh they're they're sending all their love back and forth but also mary and henry are in london so mary's writing her um and it's like all these letters just going back and forth uh so because they're so caught up with tom's thing um sir thomas is supposed to come get her but he can't because granted he's taking, you know, they're taking care of Tom. So Henry is there and he visits her several times and it's very sweet. This is why I started to get like, okay, this is working. You know, he did this for her brother. He's here visiting. He's very uh, attentive. He's very nice to her sister. He's so sweet to her family. And he's just like, and he's even though her dad is crusty. Yeah. Her dad's like super crusty. Yeah. So he's just, He's like, I'm, I'm waiting for you. I, I love you. But then there's these, this is why I feel like she's Sarah J. Mass me because there's these things that start to happen. And I'm so convinced that Henry is Endgame that I look back at it now and I go, wow, you're stupid. You didn't take, you didn't catch the red flags because when Mary is writing her and telling her, oh yeah, Henry's here or he's going to visit so-and-so, which basically is, uh, I forget where, where it was, Brighton or something, but it's where Mary Mariah is yeah. with uh, and she's there on her own. Julia's there. And even Fanny's like, well, that's where Mariah is. It's kind of weird that he's going to visit there. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever. And even me, I was like, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> so it's starting to hit critical mass. Now she wants to leave. She hates it there with her family um, because William's not even there. He's out at sea. 
her sister, she's trying to take care of. And she finally says, you know, I, I need to bring my sister. I got to find a way to bring my sister back. <laughs> Which the relationship here. with Susie does not present itself until the very end of the book. Whereas in the movie, it's throughout the entire thing. Susie is the William of the movie. Yeah, which is also weird because it's like whatever. Also in the movie, um, there's no talk about her leaving with her, wanting to bring her with her. She's literally just there walking around Mansfield Park at the end. Did you notice that? Yeah, she doesn't. Yeah, Susie doesn't go back to Mansfield Park with uh, Fanny. But I think at the end when they're talking about the little snippets of where everybody ended up, like Henry and uh, Mary found partners that Mm. suited more their modern ideas and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And everything was good. But I think she mentioned something in the voiceover that Susie came to Mansfield Park essentially to replace her because she ended up marrying her cousin. Yeah, yeah. First cousin. (laughs) So... (laughs) God. It was Ugh. a different time, though. I swear, Jane Austen just literally stared Jane asked me in the worst possible way. So there's this cryptic letter that Mary Fanny gets from yeah. Mary. And it's like, hey, if you've heard anything, don't worry about it. Don't believe it. We're taking care of it. And Fanny's like, what the fuck? Yeah. What, is, like, what? She's like, I don't know what she's talking about. I just care about getting home to Mansfield Park. Um, I think Edmund finally comes, shows up to take her back. Because now... The issue is there's a Pride and Prejudice moment where we find out that the sister has run mm-hmm. off and it's Mariah and she's run off with Henry. Mm-hmm. Scandalous. And then the cherry on top is not only has Mariah run off with Henry, but Julia has eloped with, uh, I forget his name. Mr. Yates. Mr. Yates. Who's, he's, a, he's not a big character, but you, you see him earlier on in the book. Uh, so both the sisters are like, fuck it. We're floozies. We're out of here disgrace thy family name (laughs) (laughs) um so so fanny gets she comes home she brings her sister with her they're there um this is the part where i agree with the one review where they said everything sort of just fell together way too quickly yeah because it does because there's a little bit of mary trying to convince the family well you know now we have to have Mariah marry Henry so she's not totally disgraced and blah 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 and the whole family's like what no she also makes a comment about well you know I mean Tom might not make it so that means Ed- Edmund is the first son and you know we're gonna get married and he's like what you bitch you gold digging bitch yeah that was another departure from the book to the movie because in the movie it happens with the whole Bertram family mm-hmm. in the room so in the movie Julia doesn't run off with mm-hmm. Yates at the end, she sits down and she gets a letter and she's like, oh, Mr. Yates and stuff like that. But she says all of that stuff to the whole room and even to the point where she shushes Sir Thomas yeah. and then uh, Edmund calls her out on it. But in the book, it only happens between Edmund and Mary. Yeah. She is only talking to him. So why why feel the need to change all of that? Because... It's just, it didn't make like sense. It. it wasn't necessary. And I don't think that would ever have happened as much as Mary was outspoken. I don't think she, you'd put her in front of an audience like that and she would just say the most ridiculous things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before we get to <laughs> this ending, um, let's talk about, <laughs> let's wrap up this slavery storyline. While mm-hmm. Tom is in bed sick, sick in bed, which is true. It happens in the book. He is bedridden for a while fanny 
goes in there and I guess his sketchbook like falls out of the bed and she picks it up. Which how somebody in such a fever state is able to, draw to like that. look through sketches, let alone actually draw. Yeah, it was it made no sense. This also did this did not happen in the book. So I was like, what is this? What is this going on? So she opens this. Mind you, we haven't talked about the slavery thing for like at least an hour. So now all of a sudden we have this this sketchbook and she opens it and it's like <gasps> shocking and it's the most graphic, disturbing mm-hmm. sketches about because Tom went to Antigua Antigua with Sir Thomas in the beginning when he went to check on his property. So you're led to believe that the drawings that he's he did were of this time because it's clear that his father is in these sketches. But I'm talking about like torturing, mm-hmm. raping, brutalizing just so graphic mm-hmm. in there. And then she's like, oh, oh shocked. And then uh, Sir Thomas comes in, he's yelling at her and then he's throwing the sketchbook into the fire. And then that's it. Mm-hmm. We never talk about it again at all. Until the end when they say that Sir Thomas uh, abandoned his interest in Antigua for some interesting prospects in tobacco. And I'm thinking to myself, still slave. Yeah. Where in the book, he, in the beginning, he leaves just to go sell the property. He sells it mm-hmm. to straighten out his whatever. Next thing before we get to the the fateful ending here. Um, in the book, we talked about how Henry and Mariah run off together. And then he's so upset because he loves Fanny and he just, he's a horny dude, I guess. That's, that's what happened. Um, and then uh, here's another thing. A lot of them, including Mrs. Norris, are blaming Fanny mm-hmm. for Henry's behavior. They're like, well, she would have just said yes. What? I don't think anything would have kept him from doing what he did. She could have said yes 10 million times and he still would have done what he did because he is the type of person, the type of character who sees something and says, oh, she's trying to be cold to me. Uh, I'm going to make her change her tune. Yeah. Yeah. He would cheat on her. And also another thing, the hugest departure in the book, I would say, is the fact that in the movie, she says yes to Henry. Mm-hmm. why and i thought what the fuck what is this never this happens is, in the book this is crazy is this how they're gonna end this and mm-hmm. then she has she sleeps on it and wakes up in the morning and goes oh you know what i made a mistake so henry comes to the house the next morning at her parents house and is like super excited which can you blame him he's like i got the the girl of my dreams we're gonna get married i'm happy i'm in love he comes in she's just straight bitch to him mm-hmm. he's like no 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 don't touch me and says i i I think differently now, or she changed her mind. Essentially. She says some stupid British fluffy term for it. Uh, Yeah. So then he's like asking why. And she says, see now the movie Fanny has the audacity to say to him, I don't trust your decisions or like basically says that he's flaky. Yeah. She's right. She tells him he's inconsistent. And then he he turns around and he's like me. After what you you just did. (laughs) Yeah, you said you're going to marry me, and now the next morning you're telling me to go fuck myself, and I'm the flaky one. Yeah. And I thought, uh, rightfully so. Rightfully so. (laughs) Like, I would, I agreed with him. And they made Fanny into this, like, I was so angry at it. Because here you are, in the book, she's so consistent. She knows what she knows, and she starts to waver a little bit because he is being, he's showing consistency in his behavior towards her. She doubts you know, herself. Yeah. So she's starting to like warm up to it. But the fact that they made her 
it, it really was kind of a bitch move that she does. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm happy. Oh, we kissing, which is also like, uh, no, no, you. Sh- that's, that's well, the reason she said yes in the movie, the character said yes in the movie, is because she'd been living with her parents, and honestly, I think they made the living situation of her family in Portsmouth ten times worse than it was described in the book. Because in the book, they describe a sitting room. Yeah, that did not exist in the movie. You immediately walked into the room where they cook the food, eat the food, and some of the people sleep. And there's there's like maggots everywhere. Yeah, they were in dirty beds, which they were definitely not rich in the book, but they were okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, they shouldn't would, have nine or ten kids in the house. Yeah, at a single time, and it wasn't the cleanest. But they had like a servant no. too, and anyway, yeah, they had two servants. Yeah, so they leave that out in the book. Mary, not Mary. I keep I keep wanting to say Mary. Uh, Fanny. Mariah. Yeah. Fanny. Edmund just shows up randomly. and was like, I'm gonna take you home. Um, it, which was also. Do you remember why he was so upset in the movie in the carriage? He. He came to take her home so that she could help take care of Tom. But he was, like, upset about something. And and that was one of the big issues that I had after reading the book again after so long is that in the movie they made the Mariah and thing happen after Fanny came home, whereas yeah. the Mariah stuff happened before Fanny ever left Portsmouth. Yeah, because that's why Edmund comes and gets yeah. her because of this. That's why he's back there. Is because Mariah runs off and then Julia elopes. Mm-hmm. But this is not the case. So he comes, just randomly shows up, and she's like, I'm ready to go mm-hmm. right now. Just hops in the carriage and they're off. Um, and they also have that weird, like, hand-holding scene, which I was like, and stop! Him him falling asleep and falling on her bosom. Yeah, on her, like, way over-the-top cleavage. Like, it's there's, like, you were, like, a thread away from nipple. That's how much... <laughs> bosom was there and he just like awkwardly like face first like got a motorboater in the carriage like, what is this what is this and she's just like oh okay so they get to the house and they're there um and then henry shows up and he's so awkward because this is after she you know basically made out with him on the dock which was so weird and then was like yes i love you and then was like no you're flaky even though i'm flaky so they have this weird kind of standoffish thing in the house then they're there, right? Everyone's there at the house. Mm-hmm. She hears noises. Fanny does. And she's like, what is this? What is, what's, going, what's the right? It's the middle of the night. What's happening? So she's like creeping through the house, opens the door. And then Henry and Mariah are just fucking going at it. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Like, is this Cinemax? Like, what are we watching right now? <laughs> the fact that it was only PG-13, I was like, this would get us banned on TikTok right here. Well, it was it was just a little bit of nipple because everything was covered. It was just one nipple. It wasn't too pressed up against a window pane. Yeah, but they were but they were both butt naked going at it. Like that was some hard doubt. Mm, they were getting it. He was getting it in. I think there's a time that they have to be showing it. And then the way they all like looked up surprised was like, oh, like you didn't hear us like bumping and moaning and groaning and screaming in this. Yeah, <laughs> like you're. Like, what the fuck? It's not like the walls were made of cinder block. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just, what the fuck? And then, like, she runs out into Edmund, who's just awake. Mind you, it's the middle and of the night. And then they almost make out. Yeah, and she's like, oh, there. I'm like, you, what, what is happening? You literally just walked in on your ex-fiance, <laughs> you, albeit for 12 hours, and your cousin, who is married, bumping uglies 
an extra room and then you go to like get comforted by your other cousin in your um, and other like, cousin's uh. sick room because they're sitting on the yes, little yes. at the end of he's <laughs> passed out and feverish in the bed I and forgot they're about that. to like freaking shag on the carpet <laughs> that's true you have tom in the back just like <laughs> like they're literally on like we have like in my room we have the bench that's at the foot of yeah. the bed it's essentially that like they're sitting on this this the end of the bed bench and tom is just in the background like Ugh. and then they do they do they go which no we can't oh, no. no you shouldn't because you're fucking cousins and you're Cousin, other cousin is right behind dying. you dying with his slave book of sketches. And then your other cousin is bumping uglies with your ex-fiance in the other room. What if this is not Jane Austen? It, it, it's West Virginia. That's that, that was, a, that was the most West Virginia scene right yeah. there. The only thing it was missing was the methamphetamine. Yes. <laughs> but not even close because but there's have Lady Bertram. Just, yeah. Yeah. She's just high off her ass in the front room with her fucking pug. Yeah. Just sipping the, like in the little shot glasses yeah. she had. <laughs> I, okay. So she takes a little shot glass, pours from the bottle into the shot glass and takes a sip and then like looks at the bottle and she pours more than like, just tip up the bottle lady. That's not proper though. It's not ladylike, Jackie. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. So I feel like the movie I was lost the whole way, right? <laughs> but that 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 like two minute just West Virginia like the wonderful whites of West Virginia mm-hmm. scene at the end there, I was like, what is this? What is this? Mm-hmm. So here we are. That all happens. It, it's not good for anyone. But it's almost like, okay, we're just going to like talk about these stories in the background. Even in the book, it happens like this a little bit where it's like just a quick like, yeah, well, Mary left and Henry went over here and then he didn't work out with Mariah. Clearly not. They fucking hated each other. Like whatever. And then Mr. Rushworth divorces her. Clearly. Um, she goes to live with Mrs. Norris in the mountains somewhere. In another, they had yeah. to like take her to another country. They're like, they couldn't even be in the same country with her. Let's let's find the most secluded cottage we can find and uh, stick them there. The two of them just be spinsters yeah. together. Well, a widow and a spinster. Yeah. Um, and then Julia comes back and has this like, I love Mr. Yates, and we were just scared because Mariah went off and did some slutty stuff, and I thought it was going to affect me, and everyone's like, oh, it's okay. So she's back with Mr. Yates. They're happy. And then, out of nowhere, Edmund's like, you know what? I love Fanny. Mm -hmm. And then Fanny's like, I love you too, Edmund. And now they're married. (gasps) (laughs) I This all happens in literally a page. The last page of the story, like, yeah, no, they're happy and everyone's happy for them. This is great. It works out, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What? What? Whitney? What? <laughs> I slammed my big old book of Jane Austen and was just like, well, that's that. Mm-hmm. Nasty. So I actually Googled this because I, and I was hesitant about Googling it because I don't want my Google history to look like, you know, incest how tos. Um, but I was like, is marrying your first cousin incest? I finally just had to Google it. So apparent, apparently many laws do not include first cousins in the incest clauses. Because there's a study done that first cousins do not have or have very, very, very low instances of genetic defects. Lower Still. than half siblings. 
still don't want to go there. Ever. But if you notice, I did not say zero. <laughs> Lower. <laughs> I think the number was 1.2 to 2.9% of genetic deficiency instances in children born from first cousins. <sighs> Here's the thing. I have all male cousins. They're all male. I don't think there was ever a time in my life where I was like, I'd hit that. No. It's fucking nasty. Whoever out there is like, I love my cousin. Stop. There are so many more people. And even in this time, a couple hundred years ago, there were still more people for you, Fanny. You could have said yes to Henry. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) It's your fault, Fanny. It's your fault. You stuck up bitch. No, no, I support Fanny. But I don't support the Fanny Edmund thing. No. It was weird. I guess, but it was legal and acceptable. And apparently it's very acceptable in in many other parts of the world to marry your first cousin. Keep it in the family. I can't. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about our reviews then. I am going to give Mansfield Park, 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 Mansfield Park, a four out of five. Again, that's because my five out of five it, it's it's a high bar to reach. That's the standard I set. But also the cousin thing, I was like, Ugh. I had to forgive it a little bit just because of the time. I get it. I get it. Um, but also the four out of five is coming because there is a there's definitely some slow parts there towards the end where it's just a lot of like pining and back and forth. And like, we get it, Fanny. We get it. You're a prude. What else? That's what I was starting to feel towards the end. I will give the movie... I don't know if we're ready for this, if this is going to be shocking to anyone out there. Uh, I give the movie a one out of 10 because it is utter trash, utter trash. And I will admit that the book ruined it for me because the book, the story is such a great story. And I don't know what the movie was doing with it. But also, I feel like if I didn't read the book, I still would not have liked that movie. And it may have been because Steven was sitting next to me going, oh, this movie's fucking awful the whole time. <laughs> so I don't know if that that, that hurt me anyway, but I, I don't think I would have liked it. Well, Anna, Annabelle kept referring it is uh, referring to it as my weird movie. She goes, you enjoy your weird movie. Rightfully so, Annabelle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before I get into my reviews, uh, something that I found. It says that David Monaghan argues that viewers should approach Rosema's Mansfield Park as an independent work of art rather than an adaptation of Austin's novel. Rosema set out her goal firmly, saying that Mansfield Park was not a Jane Austen film. It's a Patricia Rosema film. My job as an artist is to provide a fresh view. This is Jackie. If that mm. is the case, don't call it Mansfield Park. Don't name the characters after every character in the damn yeah. book. Create it like a like a clueless, like a 10 things I hate about you, where those are based on that Shakespeare and Jane Austen story, but they are not the story. They are not their work. I didn't read the uh, credits or anything like that, but normally it'll say based on book, whatever. Yeah. Or inspired by. Yeah. I think inspired by would have been a much better uh, phrasing than based on. 
whatever. Yeah, but yeah I'll, it I'll be, have to go back and look accurate. at the. Yeah, I'll have to look at the credits and see what it actually says. So the movie, prior to rereading the book now, years after I read it the first time, I probably would have given it a higher rating, but this time I'm going to go with a three out of ten. Um, mm. I'd forgotten most of the book by the time I saw the movie the first time, and it didn't bother me so much. Now it does. The only good thing about the movie is how accurate the portrayals of Mrs. Norris and Lady Bertram are. Yeah, that's fair. I would say that. Uh, It seems like the writer-director, Rosemma or Rosemma or whatever, she skimmed through the book and picked out a few lines here and there to incorporate into the script and just made everything else up around it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, for the book, I will say a four out of five, uh, just because it made me dislike Mrs. Norris even more. <laughs> I but really I mean, can't like, stand Mrs. Norris. But for a work to make you detest a character so much, I think that is you got to give credit to the mm-hmm. author and to the book yeah. for that. Yeah. I, I did look up the Mansfield Park 1999 film, and it does say it is a romantic comedy drama film based on Jane Austen's 1814 novel. Yeah, no. So don't don't say that Patricia if you're like mm-hmm. this is my I'm inspired by this is my vision. I respect this that. This is my interpretation. Do yeah, don't but don't say it's based on it. And then also the comedy, there's no comedy in Mansfield no. Park the book. No. There are some humorous moments, but it is not a comedy. Anyway, mm-hmm. let me just nudge my soapbox away for a minute. Okay, I think uh, everyone understands where we're going to end up with this. Uh, read, watch, or a DNF. I would say read. Read. It's a good read. It may be like a a project type read where it's going to take you a couple weeks to get through it. I mean, obviously Jackie and I are just speed reading through these. Um, but if I were to go back and read it again, I'd probably treat it as like my read a few chapters before I go to bed book yeah. to enjoy it. I would agree with that. Uh, if you want to watch the movie, I think go into it with, this is not the book. Everything that I've read and even a lot of the reviews of the movie saying, if you want to watch something that is closer to the book, then definitely watch the 2007 TV movie. Don't watch this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, I have not seen the 2007 one. I don't know if I'm going to put myself through that because watching the 1999 was a bit traumatic for me. <laughs> um Maybe like on a Saturday or something, I'll, I'll pull it up. But yeah, either watch 1999 and don't expect the book. Save it or watch it first if you haven't read the book. Um, but if you're not interested at all, just just read it. Mm-hmm. It is a really good story. I think Jane Austen did you know did her OG things here and pulled out another masterpiece. Yeah. But yeah, very good. All right. Okay, next week. What are we doing, Jack? We have High Fidelity, the movie with John Cusack. Yep, which I did actually just watch that yesterday. Mm-hmm. And Jackie asked me if I liked it, and I send her a gift. Jeff Goldblum. My response. Yeah, yeah um, we will talk about it next week. <laughs> I'm getting into the book now. And remember, the movie High Fidelity, not the new show, mm-hmm. which is on Netflix or Hulu or something. Uh, um, I think it's, I want to say it's Hulu, but yeah, not that one. Okay, not the show. We're doing the movie. The movie John with movie. John Cusack. Yep, and based on the book. And Jack Black, I, I think, is in, in it, too. Jack Black is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, until next week. Bye. Bye.